You gotta get out of the apartment. How about dinner with someone? Just sitting, talking, and getting to know each other. Ready to find out how easy it is? This is Dating Made Simple on the It's Just Dinner podcast. Now here are those two guys who know everything about dating, Tom Robinson and Bob Wall. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Dating Made Simple on the It's Just Dinner podcast. I'm your host, Tom Robinson, and sitting across from me, your favorite co-host in the world, Bob Walls. The only co-host. No, I guess last week I got supplanted by Macy here, who's with us, and she pushed me right off the stage. And sitting right next to me I was right outside, and she locked the door. I was trying to get in here, and she made it sound like I was unavailable. She she tried to take your job last week. Man, this isn't the first time this has happened to me. Tom said I did a really good job, so You did do a very good job. You did an excellent job, and and I... I'm looking for what I'm going to do in my next career here now that when I get replaced by you as the co-host. So, Hey, I, I'd be happy to take your Okay, all right. Just step right in. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for being here. We have a guest today. Yes. And she's calling in from Long Beach, California. Long Beach, that? California. Yeah. My goodness gracious. Don't the, we wish we were there? Yes. In Long Beach right <laughs> yeah, now. Right by the beach. That'd be nice. Well, Long Beach. The, right. It's in, you right. know. It's in the wording of it, isn't so, it? Beautiful in Long Beach. Our guest is uh, Melissa Paramo. Melissa, welcome. Hi, Melissa. Thank you. Hi. How, how's the weather in Long Beach today? A little overcast uh, in the morning, but it burned off, and now it's uh, sunny there, right? Yeah, it feels kind of humidy, actually. So well, you do of... you do live by an ocean, so <laughs> tendency for that to happen. Well, yeah. Melissa is a marriage and family therapist. Yes, that's what you told and, me earlier. This is fascinating. Yes, and you know what? She was introduced to us through Allie McDonald uh-huh. from Dating I remember, with Allie. I remember Allie. And Allie, uh, Allie was on our she podcast was great. a while back. Yeah, yes. was great. And so she and Melissa have a relationship, and she recommended that Melissa come on. So, huh. Melissa, thank you so much for coming did on. Allie, did Allie say good things about us behind our back? Or? <laughs> We had a wonderful time. I oh, so. good. good. <laughs> I'm glad to now, hear that. I, the, the thing I'm most excited about Melissa yeah. is that uh, she specializes in connections and communication. Oh, Does that sound familiar? That's, well, yes. That's that's right at so, the heart of what Melissa, we do just here. just so you know, that's what we do yes. here on the podcast. We're on the same page. So <laughs> what? tell us, just, I mean, let's just start there. As a therapist, what do you see as important about making connections in order to communicate? So what's the key there that you talk to people about? I mean, really what I notice when people have true deep connections, it's about just being open because, you know, we come from such different backgrounds and, you know, social economic levels and cultures. And so you know, when the more open people are and the more they're curious, the, the better connection I see that couples have. Because, you know, I mean, if, if you're not curious and you tend to kind of be rigid in your way of thinking and thinking that that's the only way people live or that's the only type of person you have a connection with, then you're really limiting your pool to choose from. Mm, excellent. So, so by curious, yeah. let me kind of make sure I understand. You, you're meaning open to new and different things and looking at things in yeah. a different way than you have before. Yeah, like but not only being open, but also like curious to learn more and like, yeah. you know, hey, that sounds, let me learn more about that. Or, you know, if your family tradition is you guys go eat Chinese food on Christmas in 
we don't do that, but I'm curious, like, tell me more about that. And so mm. I find that the, the better connections that couples have, the more curious they are and the, you know, the more eager they are to kind of go into each other's worlds versus just being very rigid and um, mm. not, you know, being open to just different things, different ways of communicating, different ways of loving each other, different ways of showing interest in each other, because there's so many different ways. So, so curiosity in kind of a non-judgmental way where, you know, I have known people in relationships that they're curious about what you do, but they're quick to tell you, no, that's not right. <laughs> You're not supposed to do it that way. So are exactly. you saying like with dating, you people will say, like, oh, I have, this is my type. This is they need to be this, 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 this. And you're yeah. saying like, don't put yourself in that box kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have boundaries and have um, standards and ethical guidelines. Yes, of course. But when someone, whether it's physical appearance, whether it's a certain um, level of, you know, what a certain type of job or, you know what I mean? I, I feel like the more curious people are and they're, they're more open to just like experiencing it and not just writing it off. I find that those are the people that have the best connections. And I, I think that I mean, really opens up a line of communication, doesn't it? Because if, yeah. I'm, if I'm curious about you, we have a lot to talk about. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you don't know how many times I get couples who say, well, we just don't have anything in common anymore. And that's <laughs> true. Obviously, you grow apart due to different stages in your life and, you know, just a, a bunch of different things that come into play. But be curious about it. If I'm not... if we met and I never showed an interest in sports and now all of a sudden, you know, my husband does and just because I absolutely do not, you know, find sports in fun, like at least I could find it interesting if I'm just kind of being more open to him, be more right. curious about it and learn about it and go into his world. And, and I just, just across the board, not that you can't have a, a good successful relationship, but those are the ones, those are the couples that seem to recover from conflicts a lot better um they are able to really see each other i mean because that's that's our goal as human beings we want to be seen we want to be heard we want to be validated that's our need and so if you are able to do that with your partner you know like life is a lot easier you can work through the disagreement mm. you can work through not having quote unquote not having something in common anymore mm. So do you mostly work with clients who are already married and are experiencing difficulty in communication that you that you work with? You know what? Honestly, it's mm -hmm. I mean, I love couples. That's that's my specialty. Mm -hmm. uh, but not necessarily married. I mean, maybe living mm -hmm. together, maybe, um, you know, just dating. I have couples who are not married yet, but they're trying to make sure that they're kind of crossing all their T's and which I love that because don't go to therapy just when you're in crisis, which is what most right. people do. Right. Go right. learn how to communicate and really help each other to see, you know, help to feel seen in your relationship so you don't have to see me in crisis. No, so, I like that a lot. I think that yeah. I think everyone should go to therapy. I think that's mm -hmm. the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Um, yeah. But yeah, we need to prevent it before. Before. Yeah. So when you look at couples that are going through difficulty and you think, how did these two ever get married or how did they ever get together? Because they, they seem to have no points that are connecting. What advice would you have given them if you had known them before they started the relationship? What, what things would you tell them to look for when they first started dating that might have steered them away from someone that they don't connect with? 
That's a good question. However, I probably wouldn't tell my couples because I feel like. <laughs> no, I'm not saying advice that you, that you would give them. Say, yeah. you know, you two really don't belong together. No, no. What advice would you give to our listeners who are not in that situation yet? So what are some yeah. of the pitfalls that people can avoid in relationship development that they can look for? What are some signs that they might say, mm, maybe this isn't going to. Yeah, to look for while they're dating. While they're dating. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good questions. So what I like to do is, you know, even if I'm talking to a friend and maybe they're dating someone, I always kind of look at, like, look at their their interpersonal relationships, look at their meaningful relationships. Specifically, first, let me look at their parents. Like, what's their relationship mm. with their parents? Because that is a very, very, not to say that you can't be emotionally healthy if you don't have a great relationship with your parents, but just how they describe it. I feel like that's a really big indicator of... Mm bigger things, bigger concerns. Like with men, how do they speak how do they speak about their mother and their sister, first of all? Like mm. if I um a male client or a, a female client and she's dating and she speaks wonderfully about his mother and sister or whoever strong female um roles in his life, that's a good sign. Because that kind of mm. shows me it's a kind of an off label way to kind of assess, okay, what's his relationship like with women? Like how does he look at them? Um and then if they don't have a good relationship with just for the sake of our example with their mother, that's fine. But how do they look at it? Do they, is this a person that is um, always the victim? They're never, you know, everyone does them wrong. And, mm -hmm. oh, or maybe, and maybe that's reality. Maybe they just have a crappy people in their lives. And, <laughs> and, but how, like, how have they grown from it? Because if you hang on to all this resentment and anger and, you're looking at the world with dark glasses and evil place, and that is going to spill over into your relationship. Yeah. But not to say that it's not reality. Like if they really have had a crappy deck of cards, but you can heal from that. I mean, everyone can heal from that. Everyone can heal from the worst trauma of all traumas, but have they done the work for it? Because mm. if they haven't, especially if they have issues with the female caretaker, it's going to spill over into their female romantic partners, you know, like if they have resentment. If I see you know, what I see a lot, especially with um, perhaps just men, for example, if they have a crappy relationship with their mother and then they marry someone who is a great mother, instead of being thankful and like, you know what, I had a crappy relationship with my mom, but I'm so glad my kids get a wonderful mother. If he hasn't done the work, he ends up resenting his wife for being the mother that he never had. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Who did knew? You hear, did you hear that, ladies? Yeah. yeah. Well, so, so Macy. Have, by the way, we have three young women yes. sitting here, so you're not only talking. <laughs> well, and, and so Macy's got here mic'd up with us. Have in your dating experience, what I understand is vast. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Macy is quite quite the dater. Uh, <laughs> have you ever encountered a situation where you were dating a guy and you thought he hates his mom? Or he doesn't treat his sisters very well. Is that ever? Have you ever seen that in in someone you're dating? Not in someone that I've particularly dated, but I have seen it when I've gone on some dates with boys and just like how they treat the woman around them. I'm like, yeah. oh man, like I would never want to go on a date with that guy. <laughs> so it's a, it is a big red flag that you have seen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, interesting. So I, I think probably the biggest concern would be if you didn't see that coming. You know, if you were dating someone you didn't see that they had th that situation, because you could, you could kind of get blindsided by yeah. that if you if you didn't. So how do you extract that information out of a boy on a date 
Did you just come out and say, so do you hate your mom? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I usually just ask them, like, what? what's uh, your relationship like with your family? Like, what is your family like? Yeah. And then they just kind of like, oh, well, like, my mom's like this, da, 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 but we don't have a great relationship. I feel like people are pretty open about those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. Um, if, especially if, like, their relationship is bad because there's usually some reason behind it. Like, yeah. their mom might not be the greatest, right. and they're pretty right. open about that. So is that correct, Melissa? Yeah, yeah, but then you got to be careful too because then you have the opposite end of the spectrum where the mother did everything and the oh, mother. Oh yes, yes. And so then you date the guy who he's not looking for a wife; he's looking for another mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the mother inserts mm. herself really deeply into your marriage, which yeah. is yeah. which oh, is very yeah. bad too. Like, what? Dude, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. You got to just <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So, what other red flags should we be looking for in dating? So, I mean, obviously the relationship with the parents, because the same thing could be true for, you know, a woman who has abandonment issues from her father and the same as I think could look, it could look similar for women as well. I mean, honestly, I also look, I would encourage like men or women to just look how they treat strangers, look how they treat, oh, yeah. you know, um, the janitor or the mayor. I mean, are they still mm. humble, still good people? And holding doors and i mean i still i'm all for women being strong and powerful but i also like chivalry and doors being open mm -hmm. and you know things of that nature do uh, you find that common among your female patients too do they also share that you know same what? desire that's a good question i think it's very generational i find that my generation probably is around the last to really really value that versus mm -hmm. like the younger generation they're all about well, I'm not going to let him pay for me. And when now, Macy, Macy, if, if, if those words ever come out of your mouth, I'm not going to let you pay I for me. I almost feel like at this day and age, it's almost like you asked me on a date and it's like, we'll go and I know he's supposed to pay for me, but I, I feel bad. And I'm like, mm. well, I can pay for myself. And that, it's kind of like this. You're not supposed to pay, but I feel like I still need to pay. For the guys who are for saying the, that. No, I know me. Oh, I'm you. That. Like so, so, so you're pay. thinking in your head, I could pay myself. And I'm not supposed to make you pay, but I'm thinking, I'm perceiving that you want to pay because you think that's your role. Yeah, well, he, I think that he thinks he, well, this is like confusing when you yeah. explain it. I think that he knows he should pay, but in my head, I'm like, I could pay as well. And I feel bad making him like take, use money on me. So I'm like, and I can pay for myself. So like, don't worry about it. So yeah. I will like offer but usually they'll like turn it down. Sometimes they will take it up though, and I'm like, okay, then that's kind of a little bit. <laughs> ah, so, 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 so it's, a, it's an problem. interesting. Yeah, it's a red see, I, I think it's an interesting dynamic th that occurs there because sometimes if they pay, you feel obligated to to maybe go out with them again or something because they they've put them. In. And so, does that create? If the man is always the one who's paying, does that create an obligation that you feel you owe them something? In some senses in my head, yes, but mm -hmm. I like have to get over that n internally. I'm like, right. that's not actually the case. It's like, just dinner. I actually just had a guy take me out, and he it was an expensive date, and I was like, oh my goodness, this this was expensive. Yeah. And in a sense, I was like, I feel obligated. I need to go on another one, but I was like, this dude needs to know I'm not interested. Like, right. So that's like the obligation that I felt. Okay, I need to tell him I'm not interested, so that he doesn't spend more money right. on me. So that maybe is way you can put on the brakes. Say, yeah, I'll get it myself so that you kind of break this tradition of them spending a lot of money 
I, I knew, which is, a, we, we had one of, uh, Sof Sophia, who was here, she went on a very expensive $1,000 date. She did. And it turns out she didn't really connect with the guy. And so that turned out to be a negative because she felt like he was trying to buy her to make her feel obligated. So you can kind of see in that situation where the money becomes a, a source uh, of, of problem. Yeah. But Macy, you, you feel bad if they spend money on you on the first date when they ask you out? No, I guess it's sometimes like if it's an expensive, more expensive date, like, I don't know, I guess like I'm in college, like we're not really, we know I got a lot of money <laughs> at, our, at our age. And so if it's more than like 30 bucks, I'm like, oh, this wow, Melissa, I want, Macy said something. I want to see if you can help me out with this a little bit because she said, and, and I, and I think this is the problem for a lot of young women or a lot of young men is that he will say, if he's on a dinner, they're going out to dinner and he will say, well, you know, do you want me to pay? And she will be thinking, okay, well, I'll pay for myself. Mm -hmm. And then she'll say, no, I'll pay for mine. And then if he says, okay, then all of a sudden they're like, well, okay, well, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to go out yeah. with you anymore. <laughs> so, so what's going on there? What? I mean, I, I think, again, I, I believe in chivalry, at least for the first couple dates. I mean, I, I want my door opened. I think, you know, if my mom's at my house, bringing her flowers like I think that's appropriate and yeah. not that yes I know I could provide it for myself but aren't you trying to like court me and I mean I guess it might be a different dynamic if I asked him out I guess I, I don't know but and that's the part where I see with like the younger generation they're more up to you know covering going half and half I mean I, I see a lot of even just younger couples splitting things in half like as married couples which i find is interesting hmm. that is interesting i personally don't believe that i think that hey you know like mine is mine yours is yours and it gets really like it's classic where the couples that i have that do that you know whatever works for you but there ends up being resentment there ends up being like you know score taking and it yes. just ends yeah. up especially if there's a discrepancy in income well, why am I paying this much when you make a greater percentage? <laughs> well, you it know. sounds like that this just turns into another impediment to relationship development because it's getting in the way of getting to know the person because you're now distracted by it. Right. Well, and I think that's something to talk about where before you, you know, get serious and move to the next level with a, with a partner, what is their relationship with money? Hmm. You know, like they view money. How did they grow up? Did they grow up a certain way where it was never worried about or did they struggle? So their relationship with finances is different. Are they impulsive? Are they, do they self-medicate with shopping? Or there's so many different things where hmm. that's something that I feel like couples would I... be on the same page about, or at least yeah. know each other's relationship with money and history with finances and kind of discuss expectations. Right. Those are, all, yeah. those are all really good. Yeah. Those, those are yeah. good points that a lot of times I don't think that we've really talked about on this podcast that I think we probably should explore more. What are some of the things on that first date that are open for discussion? You know, I, it's pretty rare on the first date to sit down and dinner. How are you? Where are you from? Yeah. yeah. What do you think about money? How much do you make? <laughs> you <know? laughs> that would be kind of an odd thing because it would probably give a different signal. But, yeah. but I think somewhere in that conversation, 
you can bring up things that lead to that in the discussion. Almost like a sly, yeah. sly yes. question. Yeah, like, you got to slip it in there. So. Really I'm not sure yeah. that's first date discussion. Well, it might be. You could say, so how do you feel about shoe shopping? <laughs> oh, shoe man. Shopping? I, uh, <laughs> Everyone's yeah. going to say they love it. <laughs> do they? <laughs> so how many pairs of shoes do you have? Well, 46. Yeah. Well, thanks, Imelda Marcos. <laughs> you know, um, so I think you could slide those conversations in in a normal and a natural way to de- right. to talk about things that are actually a very serious re- yeah. to decide make a decision is this a person that i'm going to pursue a friendship or a relationship with right i mean i personally i mean yes i'm all about boundaries and don't spill your guts the first because i feel like your story is precious and not everyone needs to know your story right off the bat but I'm a talker. I mean, I will meet random people and I will find out their life story. And I don't think I do it in an inappropriate way. And I hope that if I did, that someone would say like, oh, that's a little bit much. But you know, (laughs) you're interested in someone like people understand that you're interested in them. And it's who doesn't want to have interest shown in them. Well, that's the being curious, right? Right. I mean, so, I, so I, asking I asking for their credit card number and the pin on the first date right. probably well, not the best. <laughs> but I think that's I think that's <laughs> healthy <laughs> discussion. I like the idea of being curious. And yeah, learning about someone because I, because I believe that everyone likes to talk about themselves. And if you ask really smart questions, mm-hmm. that's not you're not interrogating the person. I think right. that's a really good idea. So I think Macy had a yeah. really smart question. Okay, so I've heard you're saying like don't spill your guts on like the first date. At what yeah. point? In the relationship, do you feel like it's necessary to share your story? Because I agree, like, not everyone needs to hear it. But at the same time, not everyone wants to hear it. And at what right. point do they want to hear it? If ever. Yeah. Like, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. Because, I mean, I have a lot of clients who, you know, if they're kind of, if, the, if their story entails things of, you know, maybe shame and guilt or just this, this negative narrative where they feel like they're not good enough or whatever it may be. They struggle with that because obviously there's somewhere along their upbringing, there's some abandonment, physical or emotional or both. And so they're really afraid of if people get to know me, they're not going to want me anymore because that's kind of been their narrative for Mm -hmm. life where, okay, that's possible. However, as cliche as it may sound, I mean, it's, I feel, and maybe this kind of just depends in like being a good judge of character or just kind of having this you know kind of feeling like the energy this is a good person or not but I mean when you know you know is what I'm trying to say like obviously kind of don't have your wall up so they never know anything about you because that's not a Mm. that's surface relationship but just when it seems appropriate because vulnerability connects people and the more I know about you the more I feel connected to you and if you guys are hanging out for three days in a row all day every day and you just feel like gosh in those three days we just like talked and talked and really got to know each other then that might seem appropriate but or it could seem appropriate three months because you've only hung out you know Mm -hmm. it kind of depends on the depth of the interactions like how deep are you guys getting and do you feel safe and kind of slowly putting your wall down and letting someone in and and really just sharing something about yourself and kind of seeing their reaction. Like, are they curious? Are they, do you get a sense of judgment? Are you getting a sense of empathy? Just kind of reading how the other person responds. So, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question, but just, yeah, but you know. There's also that idea of spilling too much, too fast. Oh, totally. 
And it, you, I think we've heard stories of guys and girls both who on mm-hmm. the first date are just laying it all out there and the other person is going, yeah. okay, wait, hold on. Okay, yeah. I need to get away from this person. So what would you tell people about that? Well, and, and I, I have other clients who do that as well where their take on it is that, well, look, I'm just going to lay it on the table. I don't have time for BS. This is me. <laughs> and, and I can appreciate that, you know, quote unquote confidence, but I feel like that's not, re- that's not confidence. That's kind of, I feel like that also can, it can come off as confidence, but really just from my experience, it's more around also that fear of abandonment. Well, you know what? They're going to leave me anyway. So here it is. Oh, and, yeah. mm-hmm. Versus like a healthy, a healthier way to do that would just be, okay, you are who you are. And maybe they, maybe that is too much for them. And, or maybe it's not. And if, if they see all the cards on the table and they don't like it, of course that's going to hurt. But that's not everyone. That's not everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's also even more self-reflection. Okay, why am I attracting people who I'm too much for them? What is right. it about me that people to leave? I mean, because there is a of ownership that you have to take. If you're the, if you're the common denominator and everyone's leaving you because it's too much, then... <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there's there's some ownership you got to take there, which, you know, that's hard. Right. I get it. Is it also a little bit about just being unaware maybe of yourself? Of, totally. You know, kind of a, you know, you're not really smart in dating and you haven't done it yeah. a lot. And so you really don't know the cues and you don't understand. And so you start spilling yeah. too much. Have you, have you, what do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, oh gosh, if more people were self-aware in this world, it would look totally different. I mean, yeah, you'd be out of a job though, wouldn't you? <laughs> I, I'd be out of a job. <laughs> I have a ton of friends who feel that, you know, I, and I think they're great. I'm like, you guys are great. And they're like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm not going on dates. I'm not getting asked on dates, but they're like genuinely great people. Is it yeah. like, what do you think that could be? Is it like they're not self-aware? Is it just like a timing thing? Like I, I just, mean, I mean, it's a lot of things. And I mean, I, I feel bad for your generation because it's just, it is very different where there's not a lot of like face to face interaction. There's a lot of hiding behind apps and there's not, the communication looks way different than it did years ago. So that's, that's a big part of it is. You know, I feel like more than ever, people have social anxiety. People get cold feet and it's a lot easier to quote unquote ghost people or to abandon people and never hear from them again. So, I mean, I feel like that's a big piece of it. But also it is a lot of self-awareness. Like if I could be amazing and everyone around me could be amazing, but why am I attracting a-holes or jerks? Or, you know, like mm-hmm. there's, there's something I'm not doing. There's something I'm not doing right here. And so really, really looking at that because perhaps it could be something where I'm attracting people who take advantage of that or and, and being a people mm. pleaser can come off as so kind and generous and anything, you know, I'm always there for you, which is great. That's not a bad quality, but it is when you don't have boundaries and you and your self-worth is connected to helping people and you you know if you're not helping and fixing them who are you what are you yeah so, i mean there's a lot of different things but that's probably one of the most common ones i see when there's these great people 
and they're just like just genuinely good people good hearts but they keep on getting matched up with jerks or you know or even just like i mean it could also be a, a, a man who's great and gets matched up with just these jerk girls or whoever mm-hmm. i mean there's a lot of different reasons because also it could be it could be their dysfunction as well where you're great and I don't feel like I'm worthy enough of you and I feel like I'm going to ruin it or I don't feel like I deserve you. Mm. So in your, in your experience when you're working with your clients, do you see that people do change? So maybe the relationship started out, but do can people mm-hmm. change? Totally. I mean, within reason. I mean, I feel like everyone can change. Everyone has it in them to change. However, are you willing to do the work? Like, are you, do you have the ego strength to look in the mirror and say, okay, that's what I'm doing wrong and I need to work mm-hmm. on that. And so, cause that's a hard pill to swallow. And if you don't have a healthy sense of who you are, a healthy um, identity, like you can crumble by looking in the mirror and seeing that you're, mm. you know, what you have to work on. So it's, it's is, that self-evaluation. We hear that all the time when we have guests in. Mm-hmm. And that is you go on a date and then you look back at yourself and say, okay, what did I learn from that? How can I yeah. become a better person? And I think that's yeah. what you're saying. And that, that, yeah. that process never stops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How yeah. do you teach your clients to be more self-aware or like realize, oh, this is where I'm kind of failing here? Like, cause we can be like, oh, be self-aware. And then I like think, and I'm like, how can I improve? I'm like, I know I can, but like, mm-hmm. how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the way I feel like even the best of the best can always improve. And it's just kind of going back to that curiosity, being curious about things. Like if I'm, you know, and also just being really present, being really, really present and just really in tune with your even your physiological symptoms like if I always have a racing heart okay what does that tell me that tells me that I'm anxious I'm anxious I have anxiety okay so how is that manifested okay I could be I'm easily irritated and okay so how does that affect me in relationships how does that affect me in because the three way the three areas that you kind as a therapist you kind of assess for functioning is how does it affect your social occupational and educational functioning and so, like, mm. how are my relationships? Um, how do I, if I'm, if I work and I'm always, there's always a boss that I can't get along with at every single job, okay, so clearly there's something going on here. Or school, you know, if I always have a class where a professor absolutely hates me, like, what's going on here? And so, just kind of just really being self aware and just being honest, being honest with yourself and, if you can't see it in yourself, then seek the people who you trust, ask. And if you believe them and if they care about you, they'll be honest. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a way to deliver it. If if someone cares about me, I hope they would say, hey, I love you. Mm-hmm. I know you're probably overwhelmed with all the kids, but it's kind of like we could see it on the field. It's blah, blah, blah. And yeah, that means right. my thing. But like, okay, that I can, that's, that's good to know. Like, I don't want to be that person. Mm. I'm just kind of just, even though it's going to hurt, like I know I'm, there's more to me than just who I am on the field with my kids. And if that's, if people are interpreting me a, a certain way, then I need to get that in check. What's going on mm. here? Am I, do I need to engage in more self care? So I'm not so overwhelmed. Am I exercising enough to help with my anxiety? Am I 
are things good in my marriage where it's affecting how I react on the soccer field with my kids or I mean like there's so many <laughs> dots that connect there's so many dots that connect mm. you know like really being self-aware I mean one especially is okay all your our upbringings they're all different trauma is all relative you know you could be pulled out of your favorite school in kindergarten that could be considered trauma for one person versus sexual abuse and so there's a continuum but at the end of the day it's still trauma have i dealt with all that stuff have i dealt with all my unresolved childhood stuff so it doesn't manifest into my adult relationships as as an adult and that's something you specialize in right you you specialize with with uh childhood trauma correct Mm -hmm. yes so how yes. have you seen like childhood trauma play into people's relationships, I guess? Like- oh my gosh, that's the number one way it does, 100%. Sometimes, it depends, there's there's different therapists who don't like to go into childhood stuff. They want to just kind of focus on the here and now. And I can certainly appreciate that because we don't want to be stuck in the past. But I mean, the reality is you have to deal with that stuff. Whatever you don't deal with will pop its ugly head at, at some point. Right. And, mm. you know, maybe you think it doesn't affect you, but... It does. Maybe you think it doesn't affect you, but ask your partner, ask your friends, ask, hmm. I guarantee you it, it does. And so whenever I have a couple come into session, um, our first session we have together, and then my second session and third session, I separate them and I have them each go by themselves and I kind of just get a history of their upbringing. And so, um, you know, and just obviously open up and share anything that they may not feel comfortable with, with their partner breathing down their back, but not, not in any secret way, but just, you know, something that I I want them to feel open and honest, but also know there's no secrets. And so when I dig into their childhood and just kind of, you know, get a, a better understanding of it, it's classic textbook. Okay. No wonder, like, this is how you saw your mom and dad, you know, communicating or showing love for each other mm-hmm. or, or, or they didn't show love for each other this way. So now you really yearn for it. Or, you know, there's so many different dots that all connect from our childhood that affect us in our interpersonal and romantic relationships as adults. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of digging into there and just really what I do, I kind of like to, you know, when a newer approach that I'm kind of digging into is getting to know these different parts of um, clients that they came from your childhood. They had good intentions. Like, for instance, if I was growing up and um, my every time I would cry, I was reprimanded for crying and I felt really shameful about crying. So here I am, an adult now who I learned to not cry. And so it's this little kid part of me where every time I get overwhelmed and I want to cry, I just shut down, mm. which because I didn't want to get reprimanded <clears throat> kid, right. which is fine. It, that was a part of me that came. It had good intentions. But now as an adult, I don't need that anymore. I can if I am in a relationship and I want to cry and I'm not feeling safe, I'm an adult. I can leave that relationship. Kids mm. can't. That's true. And right? so you have. That's true. You have a lot of, you know, kids don't have choices. They have to, they have to adjust to their environments to protect themselves. Adults have choices. We don't so have Bob, to. Bob, quit, quit getting on me because I cry. Okay. It's okay, Tom. Go ahead. Let it out, man. Just have a good cry. That's what I'm saying. So, so I've got a question. Um, Macy, who do you trust? It, it, you know, your parents, your family, your roommates. If somebody came to you and said, okay, Macy, I, I think 
here's a red flag for you. Would you trust your roommates? Would you trust coworkers? Would you trust family members? If your parents came to you and said, yeah, I think you ought to do this differently. Are, is, are there people in your life that you would trust enough if they came to you with something like that? Oh, my parents 100%. I feel like I, I trust them so much. They just mm-hmm. like, I feel like parents in general have a lot of like foresight. Like they can just tell what's going on. But then also like I would trust my roommates and like close friends and things like that. You know, that's they good. saw red flags and things like that. But so, that's, so you've got a good basis of people that you trust yeah, that definitely. could come that would, that would help you. Have you ever had that happen? I've never had someone say, you know, hey, I don't think this is the best. But honestly, like, I feel like I don't get very far in a relationship before. If it's like a bad <laughs> one before someone's like, you know, like, hey, I, I don't really like them that much, you mm. know. And, and and that's only if people, like, genuinely, like, know that person before I've even, like. So, so does that group have a big influence on your your decision making totally i think my parents have the biggest because mm-hmm. i just think that they see more than you can see sometimes you get blindsided right. you know you're like oh we like this person so much but then you like don't see all the, right. the bad things and they it's can easy like to see do. that it's easy for them to see so 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 my biggest fear is, as a parent is that i would say oh i don't know if this person is good and then my kids would like them more you know it would like push them into it you know that they, they would say well okay if dad doesn't like her then she must be That's great, great. <laughs> so so melissa what what did I, and I don't know if you can answer this question or not, but what advice would you give friends or roommates um, mm-hmm. when people, when they see people either in a bad relationship or people struggling, say, to go out where they're maybe they're sitting home alone? How could a friend mm-hmm. approach that person and say, "Look, I see something going on." What What would you w- recommend without feeling to, like they're butting yeah, in? What or, would you tell the friends? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's doing it. Delivery is key, so it's doing it in a very non-judgmental way because at the end of the day, this is an adult. They're an adult, so they're not, if they choose to just take your information, but, you know, okay, thank you, and don't really do anything with it, that's their choice, and they're, versus if it was a child, they don't have a choice. So, I mean, just in a very non-judgmental way because I see this a lot, too, where a lot of people see it on the outside. Maybe this person is blinded by passion or infatuation and they're mistaking it for love. And I mean, at the end of the day, I, you know, if it was one of my friends, I could say my piece, but also just say, but you know what, you're an adult and whatever happens, I will like love you and be there for you. Yeah, they have mm. their choice mm. what to listen to. Yeah, mm. yeah. Cause I mean, no one wants to be told what to do. That's not gonna go, right. you know, that's Feel good, and, but and, just... I, and I, like you said, the approach is important. I think if you say it in a loving uh, manner mm-hmm. and, a, and a respectful manner, that the person will yeah. accept it. And you always have that risk that they're going to get mad at you and they're right. not going to talk to you anymore. But right. at some point, I think you have to reach out and help someone. I think here in this kind of dating world that that our audience lives in, we see a lot of uh, friends and roommates that are just sitting home alone on Friday and Saturday night. And I think it might help if more friends and roommates would just pull the person aside and said, hey, I'm worried about you. What yeah. can we do to get you out of the apartment a little bit more? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. My dad just sent me a, a book, a podcast. Well, not a podcast, but it's a an audio book called Crucial Conversations. And it's just mm-hmm. like how you can approach people with different conversations in work, in school, in relationships, yeah. so that you can have those conversations and that it comes off non judgmental. Because I feel like if I, you know, if I were to just go about doing this, I probably would offend someone, even mm-hmm. though I'm trying to be non judgmental. Mm-hmm. So maybe that could be a little homework assignment for people to go <laughs> read this. Go book. get that book. We'll make it available on our website. And we get a 10%. <laughs> Every time you buy a book, we. No, we don't. We just. You, 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 did you buy it on Amazon? Uh, my dad was listening to it and he recommended it, so it's on our Spotify. And your family Spotify. You probably get it on Amazon, the audiobook for free if you have yeah. credits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Crucial conversations. Okay. Well, just one last question, Melissa, before we let you yeah. go. I'm really interested in with your patients and those that you deal mm-hmm. with, and particularly the single people. Is how do you mm-hmm. open yourself up more? How do you look for more opportunities? How do you put yourself out there and maybe even take some risks and open yourself up. What would you tell people to about doing that? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question because I mean, especially with women who are, I mean, men too, but women more so because they tend to, to present with their insecurity a lot different. But I mean, if you're not in school or if you don't work in a job where, you know, you're, you work with the opposite sex, then it's a lot harder to meet people. However, with social media and all these other platforms, it's a blessing and a curse. I mean, you, whatever interest you're in, you like basket weaving at the beach, there's a group for that. All you got to do is look <laughs> mm-hmm. you like hiking uh, only on rainy days, there's a group for that. And so my suggestion to my clients is just put yourself out there. Just try it. You got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Like it could be, mm. you can go and it could be the worst experience, okay? And you're, but you tried no, it. Yeah. And so, you know, just being kind of open to things and maybe there's an interest, you know, like what are your passions? What feeds your soul? I always ask my clients that, like, what feeds your soul? What feeds your soul? And a lot of them are like, well, I don't know. Well, then figure it out. Like, what is it? Like, what are your, and find something in that arena. I mean, and if you find a partner in that same, that has that same similar interest, like, how awesome would that be? Or even just a, a new friend how awesome would that be so just finding things that really like fill you up you're passionate about and i mean shoot if you can make money from it too then great <laughs> you know, 80 percent so, of the guys i've talked to played volleyball and that's like what i do all the time it's so, like i know what you're so, talking about so there's your homework assignment right go out open yourself up find someone that feeds your soul right i love that mm-hmm. yeah wow yeah well thank yeah. you melissa this yes. has been great Wow, what a bunch of information yeah, that you guys you. have to go back and listen to this again. And she gives some really great advice. I yes. love it. Yeah. I'd love this feed your soul. Like who feeds your soul? Well, and, and, and I think the key thing soul? is you got to feed your own soul. Right. Cause, and one of the misnomers here is that a lot of times people are looking for someone to make them happy. When, exactly. when really you have happiness is something you got to you find yourself. So your if you can find people that like the same things you do, there's a greater uh, con- connection that you're going to be happy being around them because you're a volleyball player and they're volleyball players. Right, exactly. And, and just being open to things that maybe you never even thought could feed your soul. Yeah. Very good. Well, Great. all right. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for being with us. Just again, everybody, this is Melissa Paramo. And tell everybody how they can find you and get a hold of you if they need to. You can just look me up on my website, www.paramotherapy.com. And Paramo uh, is spelled how? P A R A M O 
paramotherapy.com or therapist melissa good she's amazing you guys and well, thank uh, you, you so much you're really fun and thank you i, I just thank amazing so advice yeah bob okay. thank you it's my pleasure. It's great to be here as well, Tom. And, and it's always better when Macy is here. Yeah, Macy, thanks, thank guys. you for being the, the, here. It's like the world is complete, join. you know, when she's here with I, us on the show. Be careful, Bob. She's trying to take over. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, I welcome her in. The old generation is welcoming the new generation to come on in. To come on in. Well, listen, everybody out there, thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us. Be sure to uh, give us a like. Also, go to our Instagram. Follow us on there. We uh, post Instagram stuff all the time. We need you guys to go and check it out. And also, you can check us out on TikTok, too. Did you know we're on TikTok, Bob? I did. Yeah, I are. did know that. And uh, also, email us if you need to, ask us questions, or DM us on our Instagram. One of these guys are always checking that for us. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear your questions, your comments. Um, also, your bad date stories. bad date stories. Yeah. Those are so much fun. So thank you guys for being here. Again, Melissa, thank you. You're amazing. And want to tell all you guys out there just one last thing. Just go have fun out there, would you? You've been listening to the It's Just Dinner podcast, produced, edited, mixed, and recorded by some guy named Glenn. Tom and Bob's wardrobe provided by Savers and Deseret Industries. Special thanks to Sandy Robinson and Michelle Waltz for putting up with these two. Be sure to tune in to new episodes every Friday for more dating tips and tricks. Bon appetit.